Hebrews chapter 11, I'm going to begin reading verse 30, and then uh, we'll read all the way to chapter 12, verse 1. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms and enforced justice and obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy. Wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Since God had provided something better for us. That apart from us they should not be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us also lay aside every weight. And sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Father, we thank you for your, your word. We thank you for the scriptures, for our Bible. Uh, Father, we thank you for the testimony of, of Abel and Enoch and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and and Noah, and Moses, and David, and Jephna, and Gideon, and Samson. Father, we thank you for giving us great encouragement today that you can be trusted, that you will do what you said you will do. Father, that you will be faithful to us to the end, that there is great reward and promise in following you. God, help us to see that today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, um, start in verse 1 of chapter 12. That's really going to be our base of operations this morning because that has pretty much the application for everything we've been looking at for the last month, okay? So for the last month, we've been in Hebrews chapter 11. We started out giving a framework for faith, okay? So what is faith? We saw it's this assurance of things uh, hope for this conviction of things not seen. We saw the, how faith works. You hear the word of God. You believe the word of God. You act upon the word of God. We saw this kind of the central heart of faith is that a person believes that God exists is in verse 6. And that, that, he, that he believes that God is a rewarder of those who seek him. Okay, so we kind of set this framework of faith. And then we went and looked at Abel and we looked at Noah and we looked at Abraham. We looked at Moses. So we looked at kind of these key figures and how they lived out their faith. Uh, how they were, were a model of faith in, in some ways. And now in chapter 12, verse 1, the, the attention is turned to us, okay? So, so verse 1 is about you here this morning, all right? And verse 1 says, therefore, okay? So therefore, because of everything we just learned in chapter 11, 
Since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And then here's, here's the, the application. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Okay? So, so for the last month, we looked at Moses' race, and we looked at Abraham's race, and we looked at Noah's race, and, and we looked at all these guys who, who had these circumstances in their life and lived out what, whatever plan or purpose of God had for them by faith. And now the attention is turned to Lincoln Avenue Baptist Church and the race that is set before us. Okay, You're in a race. Okay, you, whether you, you like it or not, whether you're running or not, you know, you don't actually have to be, you don't have to run to be in a race. Did you know that? Uh, I mean, you, you can, you can go to the Oklahoma City Marathon, you can get in the front row, the gun can go off and you can sit down. Okay, and, and you're just doing it really badly, you're just still in it, all right? And, and so whether you're doing it badly or, or you're doing it well today, this, this is the race that's set before you, the one life that God has given you to live, all right? Now, notice it says very clearly in verse 1, it makes the point of saying this, run with endurance. Endurance, okay, that's what you're going to need, the race that's set before us. And so the race that we're running is an endurance race, okay? That's, that, that, that helps us a little bit because it's a completely different strategy than, than, than running a sprint or training in a sprint, you know? If you challenge me to a race to the back door and we both line up here at the stage, then really what, what really is crucial there is, is how you start, right? I mean, I mean that's really, if you, if you know sprinters, they, they spend a lot of time working on their start, working on coming out of the blocks. Those first seconds are really probably what wins the race in, in, in many cases, all right? So if we're racing to the back door, okay, well, I'm going to work really hard on starting well, you know? If I can't elbow you or something right at the beginning, you know, and just get some kind of edge, that's what I want to do. Now, if we're running a 26-mile marathon, then really how you start is, is you don't spend a lot of time on that, okay? Uh, you can start out at a walk, really, uh, because what really matters there is finishing the race, okay? And that's why the word endurance is there in your text. Run with endurance. The, the word endurance means the capacity to hold out, to bear up in the face of difficulty, all right? The word is really kind of a word that means fortitude, all right? So in the Christian life, okay, so, so you got to get this in your head, okay? What you're called to when you put your faith in Jesus Christ is you're called to a race of fortitude, of endurance, all right? You're called to a race that's going to demand you to bear up under difficult things, when you start out in a marathon, you got to know this is going to be hard. It's going to be hard. I'm going to want to cry, all right? Uh, if you're me, I, you're, you will cry probably, all right? I'm going to want to cry. It's going to be hard. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to want to quit it. You know that. You know that at some point in the race, at probably many points actually, you're going to want to quit. It's going to be hard. You're going to say, is it really worth it? You're going to have this internal struggle. Why am I running? Should I keep running? Why not stop? Is it really that bad? I can just slip into Starbucks. I mean, you're going to have all these kind of challenges throughout the race, all right? Because it's an endurance race. And really, the thing that, that you have to do is to have the capacity to hold out in difficult times. It's interesting the word race there, okay? So you got an endurance, the race, run with endurance, the race that's set before us. And the word race in the Greek is the word agona. Okay, now think about it. Agona. Where do, where do you think, where do you think, what, what, what English word do you think we get from that word, huh? Agonize, right? Agony. Uh, that, boy, that, that describes running well, doesn't it? Agony, all right? It's a struggle. It's a contest of struggle, okay? And, and so the first thing we see here is that, that the tables are turned on us this morning. And if you're a believer, you're in this, okay? You're in it. 
Okay, whether you, whether you realize it or not, whether you think of it this way or not, you need to because you're in this race, this, this agonizing endurance test of fortitude, okay, that's lifelong, and you got to get it into your mind that you're running an endurance race. Now, I really think it will help us a little bit if we think of our Christian lives this way. Uh, I think it will help us from, from lots of standpoints, but, but mainly from this one, is your expectations will be different, okay? Uh, as I talk to a lot of Christians, I, I see in, in most of us, we have kind of this ebb and flow in our Christian life. There are times we do better and there are times we do worse. There are times that we really want to fall off. There's times that we don't, we don't look very, very much like Jesus there are times where we're in much need of repentance. And, and I think one of the things that helps us is, is if you will get into your mind, okay, this is, a, this is a, a, an endurance race and a race that's going to demand fortitude and consistency and day after day and I'm going to meet challenges and the weather's going to be bad and I'm going to have struggles and I'm going to get discouraged and, and, and all of that is going to be present and I've got to gear up myself for those kinds of things. If I'm running a 100-yard dash and about 75 yards into it, I, I feel blisters popping out on my feet, you know. And by the time I cross the finish line, I take my shoes off and, and I've just got, you know, bloody blisters all over from that 100-yard dash. There's something that went terribly wrong, all right. I'm running in my wife's heels or something, all right. Because you, that shouldn't happen, right. I mean, I, I, there would be cause to say, whoa, what's wrong with my feet? Right? I mean, there's something wrong. I need to go to the doctor, okay? Because you shouldn't have a bunch of blisters from running 100 yards, all right? But if, you, if you're going to start an ultra marathon, I had to look this up on the computer. I'd heard of them, but I didn't really know what they were. Some of them are 100 miles, okay? 100 miles. If you're going to run that, you better put some tape in your pocket, all right? Because your feet are going to bleed, all right? I mean, I mean, there's just, they are. They are. There's no way around that, okay? And in the same way, in the Christian life, if you're going to run this thing, you need to expect some hardship. It floors me that, that people will, will come into a church and, and, and they'll, they'll, they'll start out and out of the gun they go and then a couple months down the line, somebody offended them and they want to quit. I'm like, did you not expect that that would happen? You know, I mean, have you not read the Bible? Have you not read, you know, about sin and about sinners? And I mean, it, this is just going to happen. Expect hardship, expect fatigue, expect to get discouraged, expect to face obstacles. When they come, you ought to say, yep, I thought that was going to be there. I was just waiting for it. Now, now, now I'm tested here. I'm tested whether or not I'm going to hold on to Jesus. But, but this is not a surprise. It's not a surprise at all. And the great danger in an endurance race is that you'll quit running. You'll stop. You'll not finish. You'll stop at some point in your life. Stop seeking Jesus. Stop living by faith. Stop treasuring Christ. Stop loving God's people. Stop building Christ in relationships. Stop speaking truth into people. Stop praying. Stop being on the mission field. You'll just stop. And that's the great message. If you've been here in our series in Hebrews, the, the book of Hebrews screams this from, from the beginning to the end is that, that a true believer, a genuine believer in Jesus, keeps running. Okay, that is our characteristic, is that we hold on to Jesus by faith, no matter what struggles and trials and difficulty and dangers come. Okay, and, and, and we hold on, why? Because we're running to obtain the promises. We, we trust Christ. We trust that what he says is right, and that we're running into blessing. That's the way I look at it. We're running into blessing. We're running into the promises. Remember Hebrews 10.36? Hebrews 10.36 says this, For you have need of endurance, 
so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. Every one of these guys in Hebrews chapter 11, guys and gals, every one of them is, is believing the promises of God. They're saying, God, I know that what you have for me is better. What you've got for me is better. I know that. I know that I'm running into blessing. I trust you. Jesus, we're going to look at him next week. We won't get to, chat, to verse 2 today. But verse 2 says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. He's our trailblazer. He's the guy that went before us. He's the guy that ran the race perfectly. Okay? And it says, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. And notice where it ends. And is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus ran into blessing, didn't he? Right? I mean, that, that's our example, right? And, and the same is true for us, okay? We're running into God's promises, God's blessings Some of you may come here this morning, you're like, great, man, that's really encouraging, Pastor. Five minutes in, you tell me, man, this is going to be an endurance race. You're going to have all kinds of obstacles, hardships, and your feet are going to bleed, okay? Um, yeah, that's just kind of it. Yes, that's true. Uh, however, there's help, okay? Here, here's, here's where we're going to. There's help. There, there, there's power. Uh, we looked at this a few weeks ago. The Holy Spirit. The Word of God, the people of God, all of those things are, are fully and completely sufficient to meet your every need. Okay? That's good news, isn't it? Now, what is the help that he's given us here in chapter 12, verse 1? Look at verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run with endurance the race set before us. So first of all, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses... When I, when, I, when I was a kid hearing this passage read, here's what I thought of. I thought of the, the motivation is that all these people are watching you. Don't mess up, you know. I mean, yeah, and that made sense to me as a kid, you know, uh, because my mom and dad said that a lot. You know, my dad would whisper to me, you know, when I'd get up to uh, like go, you know, sing the song, you know, or whatever in Sunday school or church or go out on the ball field. You know, my dad would say stuff like that. You know, everybody's watching, son. You remember that, you know, I knew what that meant. You know, don't don't blow this. Don't don't be a stinker. Don't you know, people are watching, you know. Um, I actually don't think that's what this means, all right? Now, I do think it's a good principle. I'm glad my dad told me that. But I, I don't think that what it means is, is the motivation is, look, Moses is watching. Abraham's watching. Noah's watching. David's watching. Samson's watching, you know? Uh, first of all, I, I just hope that heaven is more than that. I mean, I hope if I, if I die this week uh, and go to glory, I hope that my day is not sitting on a cloud. Yeah, Tony's fixing another computer. Uh, great, you know? Oh, there's Jeff. He's filling out some USDA forms. I mean, I mean, real. I mean, really, is that heaven? You know, I mean, that's discouraging almost. I don't. I don't want to watch you guys. You know, uh, most of it's not that interesting. I mean, man, when I when I when I think of heaven, I think of the glory of Jesus, right? I'm going to be with Jesus. I'm going to be looking at Him. I'm not going to be looking at you guys. You know, uh, so so I mean, that's just honest. All right, so. I don't think it means that, but, but the word here, witnesses, means it's actually a word from which we get our word martyr. And what does a martyr do? A martyr testifies with his life in the most powerful way possible that Jesus is king, right? He says that with his words, and he says it with his life. Okay, and so the word witnesses here is somebody who testifies, right? If a lawyer calls a witness to the stand, what do they do? They test. They don't watch. 
You know, right? I mean, that's not that kind of witness. Come to the stand. He sits up there and watches everybody. No, he comes to the stand and he says, this is what I know. This is what I saw. This is what I did. This is what I experienced, right? He testifies, okay? And, and, and so, so these witnesses, they help us, okay? So again, look at, look at the, uh, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great, great a cloud of witnesses, let us run the race of endurance, okay? So this is supposed to help us, and it helps us in the sense that these folks are testifying to us about the race. Now, that's helpful, isn't it? Anytime I go anywhere hard or get ready to do anything, I, I want to I talk to somebody who's already done it, right? Uh, I, I want to, even if I go somewhere new, I want to talk to somebody who's been there. I, I, I want someone to give me a personal testimony here of, 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 of what's this like and what am I going to need, need and, and how do you do it? How do you finish? How do you do it well? And so what we have here is real testimonials, Okay. Real testimonials that God can be trusted. He can be trusted when judgment is coming and when your dreams aren't happening and when you face giant obstacles and when you have tough times. These are real testimonials and about every category of obstacle, hardship, or temptation is found in chapter 11. Really, when you think about it, man, this is the whole gamut of what it, what it means to, to live the Christian life. And, and, and all of these witnesses testify that God can be trusted, that His Word can be trusted. So in general, what are these witnesses saying to us? Well, let's think back to the last month, okay? So what's chapter 11 been saying to us? Well, here's, here's a couple things. Number one, these witnesses testify that God's promises, God's word, and God's character can be trusted, okay? So when we think about chapter 11, all right, God speaks what seems to be an impossible word to Noah. Noah, everybody and everything's going to die on the planet by a, by a worldwide flood, that you've never seen and you can't imagine, but you just got to trust my word. He tells him an impossible warning. And Noah believes God. He trusts God. And indeed, God was exactly right. God kept his word and God preserved Noah and his family and the animals on the ark and started humanity all over again. God, God speaks what seems to be an impossible promise to Abraham, right? Abraham, man, you're, you're, you're 70 years old. You got no kids. You... you, you I'm going to give you your own land, your own family, your own nation, and through your descendants, every family on the face of the earth is going to be blessed. How in the world could that ever happen? Jesus the Messiah. God, God fulfills it all. Okay? God keeps his word. God speaks what seems to be an impossible task to Moses. Moses, go, go back to, to, to Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go. Let your entire workforce go. God keeps his word, okay? So all these, these witnesses are testifying to us. They're, they're testifying to us that God can indeed be trusted, that he keeps his word, that, that he's going to do what he said he's going to do. These witnesses testify that they were driven on, this is number two, by seeing the unseen reality that God has something better. Do you remember all the times that the word better appears in, in this chapter? It's really kind of cool. Uh, I didn't take note of them, but I think I can find several of them for you here. Uh, verse 16, but as it is, they desire a better country. Um, verse, uh, that doesn't say it exactly that way. Um, verse uh, 35, so that they might rise to a better life. Um, verse 40, since God had provided something better for us. Uh, the word better is used over and over again. And, and, and the point of, of, of what God's telling us here is that what the, all these people can testify to you that what God has for you is better. It's better. It's better than whatever, it's whatever, you, whatever you're living for, whatever you have to give up. It's better. Romans 8, 8, 18. Let me read you some of these 
passages from the New Testament. Romans chapter 8, verse 18, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Uh, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. For this slight momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Matthew 13, 44, you remember that one? Where Jesus talks about the man who, uh, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has to buy the field. What, what are all of those things telling us? You know, Romans 8 says, man, all the stuff that you might go through on this life, it doesn't compare to the glory that's coming. What's 2 Corinthians 4, 17? You know, man, your outer self's wasting away, but, but, but it doesn't compare to the glory that, 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 that's coming for you, that, that all these struggles are producing in your life. Matthew 13, what is that telling us? That's telling us, Jesus says, look, finding the kingdom of God is a, is a treasure that's worth giving everything up for. What do all those things testify to? That Jesus is leading you into blessing, okay? To live the Christian life, to follow Christ, to seek Christ is better than whatever you must give up, whatever, whatever trial you must go through. That, that, that Christ leads us to blessing. Number three, they testify that faith must be engaged in a wide variety of situations. Man, one of the things I love about chapter 11 is the variety of situations here, okay? We find that faith is engaged when you're offering sacrifices to God, when you're fellowshipping with God, when there's worldwide floods, when you're gaining the promises of God, when there's barren women and there's a wealthy palace life and there's insurmountable obstacles and there's walled cities and there's battles with impossible odds and there's suffering and persecution and death and torture and resurrection and martyrdom. All these, these you find in chapter 11. Okay, so, so you know what that, that tells me? You know what that tells us? Whatever situation you find yourself in, you've got to engage faith. Okay, so you, what, what trouble are you having? You having trouble with your kids? You having trouble with, you, you facing an obstacle with your money? Are, are you depressed? Are you uh, uh, struggling, being overwhelmed, overburdened, uh, too busy? Uh, what, what are you facing? Okay, in every one of these situations. In other words, faith is not just for one thing. Okay, faith is for everything. In other words, holding on to the promises of God and the character of God and the word of God and trusting that Jesus is better, okay, knowing that, holding on to that, that works in every life situation, whatever you might be finding yourself in. Number four, notice as these, these witnesses testify that broken people can be people of faith. I really like this. Uh, look at verse 31 and 32. Let's just, just pick out a couple verses here. Okay, so verse 31 and 32. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Okay, so, so Rahab is a prostitute. Uh, that's what she does for a living uh, in a city, a pagan city of, of, of Jericho. And Rahab exercises faith and comes into not only salvation, but comes into becoming an Israelite, marrying an Israelite man, and, and, and getting into the line of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Let's keep reading. Verse 32. And what shall I say? For time would tell me of Gideon. Have you ever read the story of Gideon? Uh <laughs> He's in the book of Judges. I've always said Judges is the book with no heroes, okay? You just got, like, people that are a mess and God uses anyway, all right? Gideon's a big chicken. I mean, he's a coward. I mean, the, the whole thing starts out. He's hiding. He's a coward. You know, God calls him. He, 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 he has to have proof, and God gives him proof, and he's like, well, maybe that's not really proof, so I need more proof. I mean, I mean the guy's just kind of a mess, and he kind of ends a mess, all right? 
Keep going. Barack or Barack, however you want to say it. It's, Barack sounds funny. Well, let's say Barack, okay? Uh, <coughs> I don't know. It just didn't seem right. Um, the Hebrew. But, uh, you know, he's not much of a hero. Uh, he, he goes into battle and he wins, but do you remember how he goes? Man, he... He's got to take Deborah the prophetess with him, you know, and Deborah's got to scold him. She's like, you know, all right, I'll go with you, but, you know, uh, God's going to give sister over the hand of a woman. Uh, who else you got in here? Samson. Man, I, Samson's a hero in that he's really strong, but everything else about his life is, is to some degree a disaster to the end. I mean, this is a guy that really doesn't, doesn't do it really well until the very end of his life. Jephthah. All right, we're not even getting into that story. Remember that with the vow? He makes that really foolish vow. Whew. David, David's got a season of life that's just really ugly. Samuel, Samuel pretty much for the most part hits it out of the park, but his, he doesn't, his sons don't follow in his steps. His sons are not godly men. So what, what do you see in just two verses there? You know what you see? Faith is for broken people. Isn't that good, huh? Isn't that good? Faith's for broken people, all right? So, so maybe you're here today and, you, and you're like, man, I, I'm just, I'm not very cleaned up. I'm not a very, you know, shining example. I've, I've made a lot of mess ups in my life. Great. Start trusting Jesus, okay? Because you're a perfect candidate to begin to trust God and to finish the race, all right? So let's, let's start now. Uh, number five, these witnesses testify that having faith does not mean that you will be spared from suffering. Okay, now we're, we're going we're gonna to tarry on this a little bit. I've got a couple parts to this. But I want you to notice a couple cool verses here. First of all, number, ver, verse 34, okay? Chapter 11, verse 34. Quenched, okay, by faith, some folks quenched the power of fire, and they escaped the edge of the sword. All right, and we like that verse, don't we, right? I mean, here are people who, who are trusting Jesus. They're stepping out. They're following God. They're seeking God. They're on mission for God. They get into a bad situation. The sword is coming down. They trust God, and God delivers them. Yes, we like verse 34. Verse 37, not so much, okay? By faith, they were stoned. They were sawn in two. Most likely, that's Isaiah, by the way. Um, that's not in the Scriptures, uh, but it's, it, is in, it is in Jewish history. And because we have this reference here in Hebrews 11, most people think it's accurate that Isaiah was sawn in two. That's how he died. Uh, most people say by Manasseh. Sawn in two. They were killed. And then notice this reference. I've got, I've got this underlined. With the sword. All right, now what did we just see up in verse 34? By faith they trust God, right? And they escape the sword. Okay, but in verse 37, they trust God and they die by the sword. You see, sometimes God will deliver those who trust him for his glory that they might serve him more. And sometimes, by faith, God enables his people to endure great suffering to the very end for his glory. You see, folks, faith is not something that can be manipulated, okay? We need to make this point because there's a lot of people out here out, out in the world that are, are saying this wrongly, okay? You see, what these witnesses are testifying to us is that when people suffer in faith, it's not a sign of God's displeasure with them, okay? It's not a sign of God's displeasure. Do you see that? No, in fact, notice verse 39. A after he reads verse 37, they were stoned, sawn in two, killed with a sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats. That means they got thrown into the arena. 
okay, into the Roman arena, and they sewed animal skins on them, and then they let loose the wild animals that got torn apart. Afflicted, mistreated, destitute. That's the end of verse 37. Of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and dens of the caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith. What does the word commended mean? It means they were approved, they were accepted, they, they were recognized by God, okay? So there are times when by faith, the faithful are miraculously delivered. They gain wonderful victories. Noah, David, Rahab. There are other times where by faith, the faithful are enabled and empowered to live in terrible circumstances and still finish their race. Both glorify God. Okay, do we see that? You see, we should not always demand that God only do it the one way. There are some folks out there, and you're going to hear this. I know you're going to hear it. They're going to teach that... People who suffer and get sick and die, they, they did so because they did not have enough faith. Have you ever heard that? Anybody, yeah? Have you heard that? Have you heard people say that? Man, it drives me crazy when, when people will be in the hospital, you know, having this battle with cancer or something, and somebody will say, you know, if you just had enough faith, you could get out of here. And I think a lot of times they, they say that with good intentions. They say that with a good heart. I, I don't think they're trying to hurt them, but it's bad theology. Okay? Now, can God cure cancer? Absolutely, yes, all right? And we've seen that. Can God heal any? Yes, okay? Should you hold on to Him and put your faith in His character, His Word, that, that, that what's coming for you is something better? Absolutely. But are there times where, where God allows us to struggle and suffer and be afflicted and maybe, maybe die? For his glory. Yes. Yes. And in fact, they're heroes. Do you see that? They're, they're not, they're not, they didn't do something wrong, okay? They didn't do something wrong. Isaiah didn't blow it at the end of his life. That's why he got sawn in two, you know? Well, Isaiah, if you had more faith, you didn't have got the saw, you know? No, that's not what that's saying. That's saying, man, by faith, these folks, you know what they said? They said, Jesus is better with their life. They were able to the end of their life to say, Jesus is better. He's better and I trust him no matter what. Faith is trusting God. If God delivers me, there's a glorious plan for me out there. If God does not deliver me, there's a glorious plan for me, right? In the resurrection. In, in that, I, I, I like what, uh, what verse 35 said. Man, see, this makes no sense to those folks who would say that faith always delivers you to comfort and ease. By the way, that's an American thing. Nobody else in the world believes that. It's only Americans that come up with that kind of theology. Okay, notice verse 35. Women receive back their dead by resurrection. Okay, that, there's the victory, right? <laughs> okay, but look at the next one. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release. What does that mean? That, that means that, that they were put in a situation where they could, get, they could get out. They could be let go. They could go back to the recliner and their television and cable TV and Doritos if only they said, all right, I don't believe in Jesus. I don't trust him. You're right. He's not God. And they refused to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. You know what those folks said? I'd rather die with Jesus than I would live without him. He's better. He's better. 
last week. Moses, Moses has the riches of Egypt, remember? All the comforts, luxuries, ease of palace life, best health care. What does he do? By faith, he gives it all up to identify with the people of God, knowing that God is better. That's what it said. But here in verse 35, some were tortured and refused to accept release. They wouldn't deny their faith. Why? Because they said, what's coming for me is better. Moses had it all, and he gives it up. Why? Because God's better. These folks could have had it all, but they went ahead and, and accepted death. Why? Because it's better. Do, do, do you see that? Because I, I, I want us to be real clear on that. Here's a quote by John Piper. Believing that God himself is better than what life can give to you now and better than what death can take from you later. That's what faith is. Faith is believing that God himself is better than what life can give to you now and better than what death can take from you later. All right, so number one, what do we got here? We have this great cloud of witnesses, okay? What, what are you supposed to do here? You're, you're supposed to go to these witnesses, okay? So as you struggle in your running and as you get blisters and as you get fatigued and you get depressed and you get discouraged and you have obstacles, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to go back. You're supposed to go back to Noah and, and Moses and Abraham and, and Abel and, and David and Jephna and Rahab. And you're supposed to say, all right, God is faithful. God is faithful. God won't let me down. There's something better. I know it. Look, it's right there. It, it was for them. It will be for me. Helps you keep growing. All right, number two. What are we supposed to do? Verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. Lay aside every weight. The word weight, I just like this definition so much out of my Greek, uh, uh, my Greek dictionary that I had to write it down. It is material that is ponderously large bulk. Okay? Isn't that great? Material that is ponderously large bulk. Okay? Now, what's the point here? you got to lay aside things that hinder you from running well, okay? Things that slow you down. Things that make it harder for you to run, okay? Now listen, here's the tricky thing, okay? It's going to say here in a minute, okay, lay aside every weight, comma, and the sin which so, clings so closely. I think those are two different things, okay? There are th some things that are not necessarily sin. They just weigh us down, right? They're just not wise for you if, if, if the purpose of your life is to trust Jesus Christ, all right? Now listen, you may, you may love your anvil, okay? Your grandpappy may have get, passed down your anvil from his grandpappy, and it's, it's a precious thing in your life, and you love to do metal work on your anvil, okay? But if, if your purpose is to win a marathon, you're not going to do it carrying your anvil, okay? You're not even going to do it dragging it in your trailer, okay? Uh, it's just not going to happen. And so what we've got to determine, what are the weights in our lives, okay? So think about your Christian life, all right? So glorifying Jesus, seeking Jesus, knowing Jesus, serving Jesus, being on mission for Jesus. All right, now, ask yourself this question. What are the things in my life that make it harder for me to serve Him, harder for me to seek Him, harder for me to love Him, harder for me to be on mission for Jesus? Could be an attitude, could be a habit, could be a schedule, could be a relationship, could be a lifestyle. Okay, but what fills in the blank? Okay, so listen, I would serve Jesus more... Except for what? What? What's there? I would seek Jesus in prayer and the word, except, but what? I'd meet with another believer for a disciple. I'd disciple another believer, except 
I'd meet for discipleship except what are in those blanks? Now, if what, what fills your blank is sin, we're going to deal with that in just a minute. But if it's not sin, it, it may just be a weight. It may just be something that makes it harder for you to run. And, and, and you know what's tricky about weights is they may not be bad things. I mean, you could probably come up with ten reasons right now. Like whatever came to, to your mind in that blank, you know what you're probably doing right now? You're probably trying to justify it, right? Well, I can, I can take it, and it's okay. And I, I just need to cut back a little bit. And, you know, I, I know it hinders me some, but... Right? There's ten reasons why, you, why it's good, it's not sin, it's beautiful, it's great. But listen, the point that he's making is, if it slows you down, it's got to go. It's got to go. When I think of the, the Christian life as a race, I, I don't, personally, I don't think of a sprint, because it's an endurance race, but I don't think of a marathon, okay? Because really, I mean, it'd take me a couple days to run a marathon, but most people can do it like in hours, right? Uh... The Christian life, it's lifelong. You know what I think of? Here, here's here's my, my best picture in my mind. It, it's, it's backpacking the Pacific Crest Trail. We had one of our church members, one of the fittest guys I know, tried that last year. He didn't make it. Uh, it's just brutal. 2,650 miles, I believe, from Canada to Mexico. From, from sea level to 13,000-something feet is at the highest point of the trail. And it's not like just once. It's like over and over and over, you know. 2,650 miles. Now, now, I, I, I like to backpack. And maybe that's why this makes sense to me. Okay, so if I am going on the Pacific Coast Trail, I've got to make some decisions. I've got to think this out. Okay, you've got to think your life out, by the way. Okay, so you've got to think about, now I can, I can bring, I need a bag, obviously. Okay, I need a sleeping bag. Now I can bring this bag. Okay, this is a great bag, by the way. Uh, it's nice and cozy. You can sp- you can sleep spread eagle. You know, I mean, it's just great. You know, okay. So I I could take this bag with me, and so I can put that in my backpack, and it actually will fit. I don't know if I can get it in there now, but it will fit. Okay. So I could take this bag with me, and I could give you a bunch of reasons why this is the bag that I should take. This is hard to do with all my microphone cables. All right. Okay. So, I could take this bag, and I could justify to you that I like to sleep, and I really do, and I like to be comfy, okay? So, I could take this bag, all right, and I could take this bed, okay? This is, uh, I got this for Christmas from my grand, my parents. This is the uh, camo bunk. Not like camo, like camouflage, but like cam. It's on a disc system. This dude is as comfortable as my bed. Uh, when it packs out. I mean, it, it really is nice. The problem is, I wish you could have this. It is at least, I would say, 30 pounds, probably, at least. This dude is heavy. Hear that? Okay. I mean, okay. But I can tell right, this is the most comfortable thing I have to sleep on. And this is the most comfortable bag I have to sleep on. Okay. Now, I'm going to have to eat. Okay. So, this is a great stove. We got this 11 years ago. Okay. And uh, so, I have fuel with it. So I get the fuel right there in the top, and the ba- this I'm going to have to strap on, okay? Or just, I can hold it in my other hand, I guess. All right, so I could do this, and I got this here, and I got this in this hand, and this in this hand. I haven't got any clothes or food or water yet, but okay, I can do this, and I can justify to you why I need this stuff, Okay?
I could give you good reasons. This is the best bed. I like to sleep. That's, this is a nice bag, you know. This got two burner stoves. I like to eat, okay. Here's the deal. I'm not climbing no mountain with this. This is not going to happen, okay. And you know what's going to happen is, is I'm going to take off and I'm going to get to the edge of the parking lot. And, and listen, what, what, what's been going through my, my, my mind? You know what I'm going to be thinking? Why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? I need to, let's just rest right here. This is, this is so hard. It's so hard. I need to rest. I, I can't serve. Other people can serve, but I can't. Because I'm telling you what, I, I walked across the parking lot and I am tired. Okay? I mean, a lot of people are thinking that way, right? I can't seek Jesus. Man, you don't know my schedule. You don't know my, right? And it's just like, it's too heavy. And now what's the problem here? The problem is, I need to, I need to shed some weight, right? This is not the right stuff, okay? So, I'm not going to get it out of there. Instead of this, I need this bag. Not as comfy, but it will keep me warm. I need this stove. You're not going to cook a whole bunch of stuff, but you will survive. And I need this bed. Very light. Not as comfy, though. Now, when I get this on, I get to the edge of the parking lot. You know what I'm thinking of? I'm thinking of the blessing. I'm thinking of where I'm going. I'm thinking of what great things lie beyond. Because this is not so heavy. Now, here's what I, I want you to think about. And I, I really want you to think about this because I, I think this is crucial. What's weighing you down? Okay? So if, if, if you're trying to run and it's just hard. I, I know it's hard and, and, you, and you just don't want to do it. Ask yourself this question. What's in my life? That it's just too bulky. It's just, it's keeping me from following Jesus. And again, you're going to have to fight that. But it's not sin, because we all want to say that, right? It's not sin. It's, not, it's okay. You know, my four hours of TV is not sin. You know, I watch good things. I watch Nature Channel and, and home decor and bridesmaid dresses or whatever those are, right? And these are all good. And I need time. Okay, but listen. Be honest. It's weighing you down, right? What's weighing you down? There's some hard choices that are going to have to be made. And that's where faith kicks in. Faith kicks in in the hard choices where you say, okay, this is hard for me to let this go. But what do I believe? Remember? Remember what's at the heart of faith? Hebrews eleven six. Without faith is it possible to please him forever would draw near, must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. See, that's where faith kicks in. And faith says, I can, I can let go of this. It's a weight. I can unload it. Because I believe that what Jesus has for me is better. When we were backpacking into the Grand Canyon, him and I were, and I was worried about that trip because taking my wife and that coming out, is 10 times harder than coming in, which is, is a difficult thing because, you know, usually you think if I can survive going 
going up, then it's better. But it's the opposite. The coming out is worse. And uh, so I was trying to plan really well. And it came down to my hammock, which is only about that big, and I really love it. My hammock or extra water. And I couldn't fit both. And my pack was already almost 40 pounds. And I had to leave my hammock. I love my hammock. I can string it anywhere. I can, at evenings, man, I had to leave it. And we got to make some choices like that in life, in the Christian life. He's got to prune us. That, that's a great way to look at this. John 15, Jesus gives us this analogy. He says, I'm the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch of mine that does not bear fruit, he takes away. But listen, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. All right, so... If you're here today and you're a true believer, you're not a dead branch. That's awesome. You're, you're, you're a fruit-bearing branch. But what's the Father going to be doing? He's going to be pruning. Why? So you'll bear more fruit. Because you know what our tendency is? Our tendency is to get all weighed down, all overgrown, and we're not very effective. God needs to prune us. 1 Corinthians 10, 23, same principle. Paul says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. The question for, for most of us as believers is not, is this sin or not? We'll get to that one in just a second. But, the, but probably the bigger question is, does this help me in my Christian life? Because that's, that's the big thing on my plate. All right, real quickly, last thing he says in verse 1. Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that's set before us. Lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely. You know, the things that are sin in our life are very difficult to push away. Okay? What we like to do, I think, sometimes is, yeah, that's sin. And we, we push it a little, kind of an arm's distance away. Okay? But by nature of sin, what it does is it clings closely. Do you see that? It wraps around. You ever try to run in a straight jacket? You know? You ever try to, you ever try to you know, run in your sleeping bag? <laughs> I mean, it just it doesn't work. You face plant, okay? And, and, and there's a lot of Christians who, who are face planting because they're doing a poor job of repenting. Right? Listen to what the Bible says, Romans 8, 13. By the Spirit, put to death the deeds of the body. Colossians 3, 5. Put to death what is earthly in you. You can't just push sin away a little bit. You got to lay it aside. Because it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to wrap you up. It's really hard to run when things are clinging tightly around you. Sin doesn't weigh you down, it, it, it trips you up. If you don't lay aside pride, you're not going to serve well. You're not going to love others well. It's going to trip you up. Something's going to happen, and you're going to feel slighted. You're, you're going to feel like you didn't get the honor you deserved, and you're, you're going to want to quit. And many, many folks do. They quit running for a while. If you don't lay aside your idols, you're not going to love God well. The other loves in your life are going to crowd him out. If you don't lay aside your anger, you're, you're not going to run well. You're going to feel justified in hurting people and pulling away from relationships. If you don't lay aside your sensuality, it's going to come back and it's going to wrap around your legs. It's going to keep you from running. Lay aside the sin that sin clings so closely. All right, last thing, verse 40, and then we're done. Notice this. 
And all these, though commended through, through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. All right, the reason I point that out is because that's a great verse that says, we want everybody across the line. You know why we want everybody across the line? Because all the promises, did you know Moses is waiting on you? Okay, Moses, Moses hasn't got it all yet. Okay, he hasn't got his new resurrected body. He hasn't got the new heavens and the new earth yet. Noah, he's still waiting. He's been waiting a long time, you know. Noah's still waiting. You know why they're waiting? Because Jeff Alexander hasn't crossed the line. Leland Castro hadn't crossed the line. Tony Haskins hadn't crossed the line. Okay, there, there, there's, there's an extent where all the blessing and all the promises don't come until all the saints are across. That's one of the reasons why we help one another. Because this is a community project. Let's pray. Father, I ask you, Lord, to help us uh, to run well. God, help us to run the race of endurance that lies before us. God, I pray that you would give us wisdom. Lord, I think one of the hardest things is, is laying aside this things that weigh us down. God, things that we're attached to, things that we love doing or we enjoy. But Lord, when we look at them honestly, they, they, they keep us from running well. And God, I pray that you would help us to have faith. God, faith that what you have for us is better that we need to lay aside those things so that we can run. We can run for the blessing. We can run for the promises of God. We can run for the glory that, that is better than anything this life has to offer. God, give us faith to believe that. In Jesus' name.